welcome to DevCast, brought to you by Devril Smith, the right people. DevCast is where property meets people, industry figures, news and views, what it takes to be your best. So sit back, earphones on, and enjoy this edition of DevCast. Hello and welcome to DevCast, Devil Smith's audio series which holds exclusive and thought-provoking interviews with professionals of the property industry. I'm Laura Crogan, Communications Manager, and today I'm very excited to be joined by Knight Frank's social media executive and co-creator of podcast series Grad Life by the Horns, Rebecca Hills. Thanks so much for coming into the studio, Rebecca. How are you today? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. It's nice to get out of the office and do something a bit different for a change. Yeah, Yeah, really good. Definitely. Well, thanks so much for coming it's an absolute pleasure. Um, so for those who aren't familiar with the show, Grad Life by the Horns is a podcast covering every element of graduate life, from the existential dread that accompanies the last few months of university to entering the graduate wasteland, jobless and £30,000 in debt. This bi-weekly show will offer practical advice and comforting stories to help ease your stress. So you graduated in 29 with an international relations and politics degree from the University of Sheffield. How did you end up in property and what drew you to social media? Um, so ending up in property was a bit of a fluke. I mean, I'd always like looking at like nice houses on Zoopla and stuff. But <laughs> you and me both. Yeah, but I, I initially, when I started my degree, I was like, I'm going to be an MP. Like, going to go down that wow. route. Like, had people in politics in the family. And I was like, well, this is what, this is what I'm doing. I'm doing a politics degree. God, like, six months in and I was like absolutely couldn't imagine anything worse um, like Brexit happened just before I started Trump got elected in my first semester and I was just like maybe not maybe this isn't for me <laughs> um, so I was like looking for loads of jobs in third year I kind of made myself really determined that I was going to get a job by the time I left I was like I don't want to do a gap year if I had to go home and do nothing all summer I think I would have gone a bit mad so I was just applying for everything applying for loads of journalism jobs um applying for marketing stuff, like just seeing what I could get. And then I was watching a YouTube video with um, an influencer called Amelia Liana and she was working with, um, or doing a video with someone who used to work at Night Frank. And um, and I was like, oh, this is really cool. And I'd never heard of Night Frank before. Um, So I kind of followed them on LinkedIn and saw the job pop up. And I was like, oh, that looks quite interesting. Like, looks like it could be up my street. I love a nice fancy house, can't complain. Um, And then applied, didn't think, didn't expect to hear anything from it. And then, yeah, had uh, a call from HR being like, yeah, would you like to come in for an interview? And I was like, oh, okay. Like, I was up in Sheffield. The office was down in London. So I got up at 4 a.m., went down to London for the interview, then managed somehow to get a second interview and then got the job. And I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. But they wanted me to start in April. Um, and I didn't finish my degree until June. So I literally started yeah. the day after I left uni. So moved out of Sheffield on the Sunday, started on the Monday. Amazing. Uh, so, yeah, it was an odd way to get into the industry but I really don't regret it at all definitely it's pretty impressive as well Um, so how did you manage the transition between university and adult life as such and even living in London it's such an intimidating city yeah I think like I'm from Essex originally so I'd kind of grown up having London on the doorstep always coming here for days out and stuff my dad works in Bethnal Green so I was kind of familiar with London I'd always built it up to be this amazing place I was like can't wait to get there Um, but I found the first probably three months 
probably like potentially three of the most challenging months of my life it was so hard to make that kind of adjustment from student life into working life I think because I'd done it almost literally overnight mm-hmm. and all my mates were going travelling or they were still in the uni bubble and going on nights out in the middle of the week and I'd wake up and be like oh right so everyone's like still drunk from the night before and I'm getting up to go to work and I wasn't living in London for my first three months either so I was commuting from Essex and it wasn't like I was in kind of Brentford or somewhere that's a lot closer I was really in the thick of it over by Stansted Airport and so I was commuting for four hours a day and doing a nine-to-five and my body was just like what on earth is going on like I managed to get pneumonia in my first month oh my gosh um, just from like the end of uni and then just having such a hectic lifestyle all of a sudden but yeah so the first three months were really challenging but actually once I eased into it and got used to the structure of doing a nine-to-five and really like enjoying my job and it being less intimidating like I knew the office I wasn't getting lost every time I got (laughs) off the tube it was actually really great um so what advice would you give to someone in a similar situation would you say go straight into it or maybe wait a bit um I don't think doing overnight (laughs) is anything I'd recommend to anyone I think give yourself at least a couple of weeks Mm -hmm. before you start something um but I'd say the best advice I can give is just throw yourself into it but also be easy on yourself like you're not going to make friends immediately you're not going to feel completely comfortable and like you know everything immediately and take that pressure off because it's so easy for that imposter syndrome to come in and you're sitting there stressing being like am I good enough at this am I good enough at that have I made friends do people like me am I doing the job right and actually you just need to focus on getting through the day-to-day getting used to it and just being a bit kinder to yourself yeah that's some good advice um so apart from obviously getting pneumonia were there any (laughs) other challenges that you faced maybe within the job role itself yeah I wasn't I think I knew what to expect from the role but I'd never I'd never worked in social media directly before like I obviously had an Instagram and I'd kind of grown up with it and all that but I and I'd done a bit of work for Bumble when I worked for them but I'd never had to moderate Facebook comments on the day on the day to day and produce all these videos and go to events and I was kind of thrown in the deep end which was amazing for me because I love all like I love immersing myself in stuff and learning about it that way but I think the actual just the workload and having stakeholders with such high expectations understandably because Knight Frank is such a kind of well-known and respected Mm -hmm. firm and just kind of adjusting to that and being like okay you have high expectations you need to meet these and once I'd kind of again ease the pressure a little bit and been like you can only do your best mm-hmm. um, it felt a lot less scary and intimidating yeah definitely um, so what advice would you give to graduates wanting to get into the property industry and any advice for those who might be struggling um I can't speak for people who want to become surveyors or agents or anything like that. But I know from having done work um, on our on like marketing our graduate scheme that work experience and networking is probably the most important thing in the industry. Unfortunately, a lot of industries, like it's not specific to property, are it's who you know, not what you know. So the more people you can meet, the more connections you can make on LinkedIn, the more you can just get your face and your name heard by people in the industry, the more likely you are to get something. And when I was um, a student, I used to work for The Times and do their graduate careers survey. And and that meant doing a lot of uh, research around recruiting and life after graduation and that sort of thing. And my my friend Dan, he wanted to get into kind of pharmaceuticals because he was doing an engineering degree. And through networking with people from GSK at an event I brought him to, through doing that, he got 
uh, friendly with their HR manager and then got onto the grad scheme as a result of that. So it really is um, just general advice about getting into property is just have that work experience and make the people who make the decisions know who you are. Be very proactive in your approach. Yeah, definitely. Um, so how it, what ways can um, graduates stand out? Like, Does a standard Microsoft Word CV still cut it or should grads look at more innovative pro- approaches? Like we'll see, will videos become, you know, the norm for CVs? Yeah, I think, well, I, when I applied, I literally just did a Microsoft Word CV. because yeah. Me I, and you both. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't realise really that there was any other way of doing it. But since kind of seeing behind the scenes of the interview process when other people have been recruited to the team, I'm like, the more, I suppose the more, I suppose the if your CV looks different, you're more likely to stand out, which is kind of common sense. But even the slightest thing like adding into the bottom of your CV some examples of your work, but making it interesting. So with social media, if I'd have added some examples of Instagram stories that I'd made or um, or I'd sent alongside that some videos of Instagram stories, like make your CV and your portfolio that you send over as specific to the role as you can. Like I saw a really cool thing on uh, LinkedIn the other day that someone who applied for Spotify made their CV in the kind of Spotify year roundup style. So it looked really cool. cool. And just kind of taking what the firm already does, enhancing it and making it fit to what you need to apply for. I think that's just going to make you stand out because doing a a traditional Microsoft Word CV, there's nothing wrong with it. But in a pile of CVs, what are you going to do that makes you stand out? Yeah, I think one of my friends went for a PR agency role and a lot of the other applicants were sending in cakes and um, chocolate wrappers, like anything that was just basically inventive enough to get Mm. uh, get them the role. Um, now you mentioned earlier a few of your friends were like taking the year out um, do you think this might have a negative effect or no I don't think so I used to be very much like you get into work straight after uni you take a gap year you're wasting time no one's going to want to hire you that sort of thing I had a very linear and kind of parochial view of it all um, but now I've seen my mates who have gone travelling and done lots of different things and they're gaining skills in a non-conventional way and I think actually that is that can only be an asset if you go to another country you're learning how to embed yourself in a new culture you're learning skills that aren't specific to a role necessarily but can add into that so like communication skills and adaptability and organisation because you've got to get yourself from A to B so I don't think um, taking a break but as long as you do something productive in that break I yeah. don't think taking a break and just laying and watching Netflix for six months <laughs> is going to help you get a job but yeah. if you go to say Australia get a job in a cafe or get a job in something doing that you're passionate about and you're going to enjoy then you can bring that back and actually you, again it makes you stand out because you've got something that maybe somebody else who has gone straight from uni like me hasn't got like I haven't got that traveling experience and it's something that I want to do kind of later on in my career so just having that makes you again a bit different and can only probably help you in the long run yeah definitely I think I agree with you on that one um, so do you think universities should breath better prepare students for the real world? I do, yeah. I think had I not been so proactive at uni in finding a job, I mean, the uni do put stuff on, but you have to be, again, proactive and sign up for the courses and go to the career service and go to the networking events and apply for the jobs. There's nothing that kind of they embed within the course apart from taking a placement year, which a lot of people don't want to do. So I think unis have a responsibility to 
put in skills lectures and put in kind of CV writing things that aren't optional because everybody needs those skills. And if you have it as an opt-in, opt-out system, most students aren't going to want to do it because you're hungover from the night before. <laughs> and so exactly. I think, yeah, unis do have a big responsibility to prepare you, not just in terms of getting a job, but also just how to cope with life after uni. Like you've been in such a sheltered environment for the past 21 years of your life because you've gone from school to uni that like you've been institutionalized. And so yeah. you get out and you've got all this freedom and you're expected to do everything from yourself and you don't have a clue like even the tiny things about like driving and things like I passed my test just before I started work and I drove through central London and didn't know the congestion charge was a thing <laughs> so just little things yeah. like that just like adulting skills yeah. um, I think could be really beneficial and you need to have a kind of duty of care and a responsibility to provide that um, okay so you are a social media executive for a global dominator in property can you talk us through a little bit about what What's your standard week look like? Yeah, so I don't really have, it's an annoying answer to a question, but I don't really have a standard week. It really does change week to week. So, for example, last week was manic. I wasn't in the office for an entire day for the entire week. So I was going from kind of uh, breakfast events um, to we're working with Maddox Gallery at the moment. So I was awesome. going to go and watch Maeve Doyle, who's their um, artistic director, um, have her radio show put out. So I went to go and watch that. And I came back to the office to interview one of our senior partners for a pre-MIPIM series then I had to go to um, a kind of work in progress lunch with our head of marketing and then back to Maddox Gallery to go and film another interview um, lots of different stuff and then on the day to day the kind of BAU sort of thing is like a lot of moderating comments sending statistics over to stakeholders and marketing leads um, to kind of tell them how their posts are doing um, there's a lot of filling in spreadsheets and <laughs> the less glamorous yeah, the less side. glamorous side but the things that people forget about when you think social media you just think oh my god they've gone to this amazing event and done an Instagram story but actually on the kind of minutiae it's the law of just filling in spreadsheets and coming up with concept plans yeah it's not never just the finished product um, so a lot of responsibility any tips for handling the pressure um, it was something that I was really bad at handling <laughs> at the start I used to kind of beat myself up for everything I'd get overwhelmed I wouldn't take my lunch break I'd come into the office early and leave late because I thought that was what you had to do to be successful because it's that real hustle culture and you watch it in films and you see other people getting in late and leaving late and actually for some people that works and if you've got that kind of work as your life and you don't need to take the breaks that's fine you do you but actually for me I found that if I didn't take a break I didn't take my lunch break or I got in too early and left too late I was so exhausted all the time that the pressure just felt so much more and so actually now I, I get in on time I leave on time I take my hour lunch break and I go for a walk around Regent's Park or do something productive and actually, I find that helps me cope with the pressure so much better because my brain isn't frazzled all the time. So it's just working out what your working style is and adapting your approach to that and talking to your line manager. Like my my line manager, Michael, he knows exactly all, everything that's going on in my life. He knows that I've struggled with mental health. He knows all sorts of different things. And having that open communication between both of us means that he knows if I need to go and work in our core area for a bit that's okay because I just need a bit of a break and I just need to focus my time so just having that open dialogue and no understanding what style works for you best I think is the best way to cope with the pressure yeah I think trust is definitely important between like you said the line manager and the employee to ensure that you're focusing at mm. all times really um, so who shouldn't look into a social media role 
I think if you're not naturally creative, mm-hmm. I don't think social media is for you because as much as everybody loves putting up an Instagram story or popping something on Facebook, it, there's so much more that goes into it and people forget that the behind the scenes stuff. So if you haven't got the ideas and the kind of tenacity to really push your ideas, then I don't think you can get very far. I think if I'd have just stuck to what my job description said, I wouldn't have enjoyed the role because I wouldn't have been doing anything creative. So I think if like hard numbers are your thing or dealing with clients or sales or those sorts of things are your thing there's so many roles in property that you can get into but I don't think social media is right because you do have to be fundamentally a creative and enthusiastic and outgoing sort of person to actually get the content and the results that you want with it definitely and it's a a role that's becoming more and more popular definitely with the younger generation yeah yeah I think people see influencers and they're like I could do this but (laughs) even with influencers like I've got some friends who work in that industry and they, they, their lives are not just what they put on there and I think there is this huge veil where everyone's like this is something else and my life is not like this but actually they don't realise that there's so much graft that goes into everything that you put on social yeah, media it's not simply a click <laughs> no <button>. absolutely not <laughs> um, so what is your favourite part of your job and what's your worst part of your job ooh okay favourite part I'd say it's a toss-up between going to the incredible houses and doing the tours of the ages. I love that part. Like, any opportunity to go to Chelsea, I'm like, yes, I'm here for it. (laughs) I'm having a great time. Uh, And I love actually meeting the agents and developing those relationships. Um, And I love the kind of content production side of that as well. So making the stories and seeing if they get leads. And, like, we did one in Mayfair a little while ago, and it ended up getting, I think it was two or three leads as a result of just Instagram stories. So that was really, really fun, and it's great to see that creativity and the fun bit actually pay off yeah in terms of the worst side I'm not very good with numbers <laughs> I'm really not like I did my GCSE maths when I was 15 and I can't remember anything like you talked about division I'm like no thanks um, <laughs> that's so, what calculators for, yeah right? exactly my brain just doesn't work like that um, and so yeah anything that kind of involves numbers I'm just like please can I not do this today <laughs> yeah, yeah that's completely fair <laughs> um, so you said you were going to Mippin should we expect anything special from Night Frank out there yeah well, we've got a, a brand new stand this year so we've kind of we trialed it out in expo um back in october and it had like a living wall and we have really like a focus wow. on wellness and everything's very like bright and open and poppy who kind of sets all that up is incredible and did an amazing job with it and um so for expo we're kind of just um not expo nothing we're yeah. doing that <laughs> on an even bigger scale so we've got like a whole living wall we've got kind of again that focus on wellness and then in terms of the social side of things we're doing kind of a lot of a lot more video interviews so again this is something we trialed at expo um but i'm doing a series of pre-interviews so i'm talking to our big stakeholders before we go creating a series of instagram stories and linkedin posts around what you should look for when you go to mipim to kind of help people prepare and then once we get there we're going to do some more stories um, around again with key stakeholders but also our kind of European partners to talk about why you should come visit the Night Frank School at MIPIM um, what you can get out of the event and the best parts about it gosh I wish I was going there sounds great <laughs> I'm so excited <laughs> um, so other than Night Frank uh, what do you think we'll be seeing more of in social media and have we got any brands to watch um, I think kind of the push towards video content I think stories have now almost replaced feed posts like I will do a kind of feed scroll once a day um, I don't tend to look at the feed that much I watch people's stories because everyone wants to see that personality so I think the focus is going to switch from brands to people and we're finding that even at Night Frank we've kind of switched our focus from 
focusing purely on branded accounts to having our agents do their own thing and post about their properties because everyone wants to see inside um, the property but also from a personal perspective because you can't relate to a brand in the same way that you can relate to a person so I think personalised stuff I also think podcasts um, great to hear exactly yeah (laughs) I just think people want that on the go content they want something that's quick or they want something that they can just put in their ears and get on with their daily tasks while doing it I think people are constantly trying to do more digital detoxes and step away from being glued to a screen all the time so anything that moves you away from that I think is going to be a big thing in terms of brands to watch um I think there's a lot of cafes that are doing some really cool stuff like specifically um, in Sheffield there's an amazing uh, vegan cafe called Pom Kitchen and they do some amazing social media stuff and they're literally just on a high street in the kind of back end of Sheffield and they've got like 10,000 Instagram That's followers amazing. and they post really colourful stuff really pretty stuff everything is very Insta worthy mm-hmm. um, so I think yeah you'll see a lot more brands moving their content towards um Insta stuff rather than just being like this is a meal there's a lot making it pretty (laughs) and photograph worthy Um, so your podcast Grad Life by the Horns how did you come up with the idea so weirdly enough it was a shower idea so I'd always I'd always wanted a podcast because I've been listening to them probably since I was like seven like my dad always used to have like a five live one or a talk sport one on in the car and 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 so I'd always kind of been like cognizant of them and then when I got to uni I started getting into journalism and doing a lot of stuff around mental health activism and politics and I was like I'm listening to so many podcasts I really want to be doing this and so in my third year I started doing a few more like radio interviews so I'd made a documentary with the BBC I'd been on talk radio Um, I'd been on five lives so I'd done lots of little bits and I was like I love this I really love broadcasting and people had said to me they were like oh you should get into it like it's great so I was like in the shower one day and I was like Crowd Life by the Horns because <laughs> I've just been like so worried about life after uni I thought where is all the content for life after uni because before I went I was watching so many YouTube videos and reading so many books about how to prepare for uni but there was just nothing as soon as you left it was kind of like here's uni have a great three years and then bye and the I was, part as well. yeah exactly so I was like there is a real gap in the market here so I was working um, at the time doing this graduate stuff with um, who is my friend who is now my co-host um, Sophie Scully and she was actually my manager so I texted her and I was like so if you want to get into broadcasting too why don't we do this together and she's the most enthusiastic person I know and she was like yes great let's do it so we spent between the February and the September recording interviews doing branding marketing socials all that sort of stuff coming up with a massive like we mind maps mm-hmm. and trying to like manifest it all and it was amazing and really stressful actually yeah. while I was doing my dissertation but amazing and then we launched it um, back in September um, and did a fair, like an eight episode first series with a couple of bonus episodes and we're now in our second series amazing so yeah that was really fun um so how are you ensuring the podcast is continuing to evolve um so for me i found that in our first series it was amazing but we were kind of tapping into our immediate contacts a lot of whom were kind of influencers and i think influencers are great and they're so interesting and I think they've got a huge platform to do really good stuff and loads of them do but I thought actually they're not as relatable and so I for our second series we're trying to interview people who have 
solid businesses or have gone down to non-traditional career paths or just think people that are doing something a bit different and don't necessarily have a big following people are probably wanting to do more but don't know how to do yeah exactly because I think and we did this with our kind of graduate takeover which was an episode we brought out um, as a bonus episode before series two where we had uh, we reached out on our Instagram and got people to send in voice notes of their experiences of life after uni we think we had about uh, nine or ten people send in these voice notes and talk about so much different stuff about oh I haven't actually got a job or Mm. I went traveling or I did this so just kind of having that like plethora of experiences just was more relatable so moving into series two um, we've just confirmed a couple of really cool guests so we've got uh, Lord David Blunkett coming on Um, he was um, worked in my department back at Sheffield and when I went back a couple of weeks ago I just popped the question to him and he was like yeah definitely Um, and we've got a few more kind of um, interesting people so there's a guy called Joe Seddon he founded Access Oxbridge so and he helped basically get I think it was about 66 people into Oxbridge this year from low um, income backgrounds and haven't got that Amazing. So yeah. yeah, some really interesting people coming on. That's awesome. I think that's like with our podcast, you you reach out and it's like pretty much everyone says yes. It's really, mm. really refreshing. Yeah, everyone loves talking about themselves. Okay, so recent statistics show that there has been a 94% increase in mental health within students. Um, we briefly touched on this earlier. Why do you think this is? I think uni is really difficult and people don't talk about the, the low points. Everyone's like, like you go on these amazing nights out you make loads of friends you get a degree you do this this and this they don't talk about the fact that for me for for instance I went to uni with anorexia with depression with social anxiety that I had a lot of problems when I went there and then the constant drinking and that culture just exacerbated things and made it a million times without worse without having your fam- family there to support you exactly well. yeah so you're kind of thrown into this completely alien environment and especially if you're like born later in the year you haven't necessarily been going out like I've never <laughs> drunk before uni so I just kind of got <laughs> there I was like oh my god what is this sink or swim yeah exactly drinking an entire bottle of rosé like, what am I doing <laughs> um, but yeah I it's think it's a grape though right yeah exactly it's <laughs> only five a day um, but yeah so you kind of get there and you all your mates are going out all the time and you're like well I've got to keep up I've got to go out I've got to go out these six times a week and do all this sort of stuff but then you've also got a 9am and so you're putting the pressure that you had at school on yourself in a completely new environment without any of the structures that you had at home so you could do a kind of 9am to 3pm at school go home your parents cook you dinner you do your own thing you've got the surroundings that you've been in all your life whereas when you go to uni you've moved say like three hours away from your home and you're drinking all the time and you're going out and you're partying and you're trying to get things for your CV and you're constantly worried all the time about everything so I think actually uni is a really intimidating place if you don't go into it equipped and knowing what to expect and I think actually my sister's generation so she's three years younger than me so she's in her first year at the moment and they seem to have a lot more healthy relationship with it because I think my age even though we're only three years older we didn't go with the kind of cognizance of oh, this is the downside of uni, whereas a lot of people talk about it now. And it's good. There's a lot yeah, more awareness surrounding mental health. Definitely. And so she doesn't go out all the time and she does more wholesome things, whereas we just thought, drink, 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 that's all you can <laughs> do. True. And so I think that's probably why. And the provisions aren't there. Like a lot of unis are doing amazing things around mental health. And even since I left, I know that Sheffield have done incredible things. But I just think there needs to be more of a support network. There needs to be more societies. There needs to be kind of more provisional support from the uni like if someone's struggling they almost have a duty of care just to provide them even if it's with one therapy session just to check in on how they're doing I can know they don't necessarily have the resources but you're paying more than nine grand a year for this 
uni mm. like they owe you that a little bit I think yeah I think there's promoters as well for every night of the week for a club event but not for any kind yeah. of wholesome events exactly <laughs> yeah. um, so how do you ensure that your mental health isn't affected by your job respo- responsibilities and the pressure of living in London yeah so I kind of touched on this a bit earlier but I had a massive relapse um, in terms of like depression and stuff when I first came to London because I was just so overwhelmed by it all and the pressure of my job and I just couldn't cope with it all and actually I found that um, noticing that and being aware of actually if I work too hard and I don't give myself a break and I don't exercise and I don't eat well and I do too much I'm going to struggle and so um, in January I kind of had like a bit of a a kind of cliche existential crisis oh my god it's me (laughs) me, me, um, and got myself a therapist and in the last kind of six to eight weeks that I've been seeing this therapist, my life has gone from being so hectic, going out every night of the week, working nonstop, putting so much pressure on myself to be perfect in quotation marks. But actually now I budget a few nights a week just to have for me. I could go to bed at like 8pm and and I read and I'm like, it's okay. It doesn't matter that you're 21 and you're going to bed at 8pm. Like that doesn't need to be. It's all about balance. Yeah, exactly. Because... I can go I can go out at a weekend if I want to or I can do what I did this weekend which was go to Richmond Park and go for a run and then see a friend for coffee like do lots of different things and I think with London when you're first starting out there is a huge amount of pressure to do all the stereotypical London things and go hot like full into everything but actually taking a step back and being like you've got your entire life to do all this stuff you don't need to do it all in the first six months um that's what I found actually really benefited me and just taking that pressure off a little bit yeah um so do you think flexible working is important for graduates and when they're choosing their place to work yeah I think hugely it's not something that I thought about before I started working particularly but since working in property and working with our flexible office team on a lot of stuff and seeing what Knight Frank are doing around our connect 55 movement which is like how the whole office is being transformed into more dynamic working and just making the office a really cool place to be um but also having that opportunity to work from home if you want to like when I was commuting from home I had the opportunity to work from home a couple of days because sometimes the trains aren't running or sometimes you're so exhausted that the thought of doing a four-hour round commute is too much and I think yeah yeah it was pretty horrendous (laughs) but actually I think having the opportunity to say work from home one day a week well you can get up at 9.30 if you start at 9.30 and just kind of sit in your bed for a bit and do your work and you can do your washing and you can go and register for the doctors if you need to do that or you can go and do your food shop but also still be replying to emails I think the constant pressure to be in the office from 9.30 to 5.30 isn't isn't tenable in the long term I think actually people work better in different and people work in different ways like for me for instance I am such an early bird I would rather get into the office at like 5am and leave at 12pm than do a 9.30 to 5.30 because my brain just stops working at 3 as much as I try and push through I'm not as productive in those last two hours as I would like to be and so having that flexible working and more dynamic working means that if you want to go and work in a coffee shop or you want to work at home, you can. And I think that is a hugely inviting prospect for graduates. Um, so what other ways should businesses be looking to attract graduates? Um, 
So for me, when I was looking, it was a lot of like, what are the perks of working? <laughs> but actually, what I, do I get? Yeah, and I think it is a cliche, but graduates want to know what they're going to get out of it, and they want to know that they've got a long term future in that company because the, it tends to be now people don't stay in a firm for life. But if you can retain a graduate for two years in the start of their career, you're doing something really good because a lot of them will move on because they won't find that thing initially. So something that encourages you to, encourages you to stay for more than six months. Yeah. Um, so for me, I love the fact that um, Night Frank offers kind of corporate discount to Cobox and Cycle because I'm really into exercise and fitness. But then I've got other friends who like the fact that we get like a taste card and you can go and get discounts. So like, and then, and like it seems very vapid to be like, I want all the discounts and stuff. But when you've gone from student life... And student you, cards. Yeah, student exactly. Discount. You want something that can convert into graduate yeah. life. But also, again, I think flexible working is a massive thing. I just think having that kind of work-life balance and that positive workplace culture where you socialise as a team and everyone's very included and mental health is looked after and there's just kind of that corporate social responsibility element to it. I think that's really important. Cool. Right, so on to our quick fire round. This is what we ask all our um, interviewees that come in. Um, so I'm going to ask you a question and just respond as quick as you can. Oh so <laughs> don't be scared. Um, degree or experience? Um, experience. Instagram or LinkedIn? Instagram. Shakes or fries? Shakes. City break or beach vacation? City break. And uh, the question we ask everyone, if you could own any building in the world, what would it be and what would you do with it? So I had a little think about this in the tube on the way over <laughs> and I was like, oh, it could be really cool and so one of these amazing high-rise ones. But actually, I'm a massive history nerd and so awesome. I would have Blenheim Palace and I'd cool. turn it into a kind of retreat location. Love it. So like have like therapy dogs yeah. and like yoga studios and amazing. all that sort of stuff. So yeah, that's what I love do. It. I love I love asking that question. But thanks so much for coming in, Becky. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. You can join the DS movement by visiting ds.devilsmith.com and you will receive the latest Deadcast episode direct to your inbox. 